Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is Tim Winders here, your host. Got a great guest today. We are going to be diving into a lot of things. Uh, he's written a book called A Letter to the Church in the Next Generation. I just shared this earlier with some folks, but this uh, caused me this morning to go back and read the book of James, which I read a few weeks ago, but I'm going back to the book of James. I think this is a great conversation about leadership, about how we interact with the next generation. Obviously, the church and our spiritual walk is tied into it. So we're going to have a fun conversation with our guest today. Hang tight, and I'll get to the guest in just a moment. I want to remind everyone what a valuable resource our website is at SeekGoCreate.com. Com. Make sure you go there because everything we discuss today, if we discuss scriptures and books or other things, videos, anything we re reference, it will be noted and listed out on our website in the detailed notes that are there, which will include timestamps so that you can go back to something. If we have a controversial discussion or something that you just want to listen to again, if you're in your car, but later you want to listen to it again, you can kind of go back to the timestamp, click on that, go right back to that that area of the uh, the interview. So check out SeekGoCreate.com. There's a lot of resources there. Today we have Robin Jennings. He's an ordained Episcopal minister. You can bet I'm going to ask some questions about that, who is concerned about the next generation. We'll be talking about... Uh, I guess, leadership from dealing with the next generation. He speaks passionately about how to think about life with God, the need for the renewal of the mind, and bearing witness to the next generation, and so much more. But Robin, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Thank you, Tim. I am so glad you're here. And you're coming to us from Louisville, Kentucky. Is that right? You've got it. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Bluegrass country. It is. That's a pretty part of the world. We were just having a conversation yeah. this morning about uh, Kentucky and some cool things about that. Before I get started, let me kind of fire away with my first question here. And uh, let's just pretend we're somewhere and bump into each other. I don't know if it's a church setting or airplane or something like that. And I say, Robin, what do you do? What do you tell people? Basically, Tim, it's a it's a question that's more about being <laughs> for me right now. Um, I'm at that stage in age in life that's really great. Someday, Tim, <laughs> you'll get there, buddy. <laughs> but it's 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 really an opportunity to to be present to people and uh, really not just hear their story and me share my story kind of thing, but really um, kind of cut through the superficial. Uh, layers of discussions and conversations that often we get into. Uh, hi, bye. <laughs> you know, and and certainly social media, all that that's done to our not ability but inability to have conversations that really merit some value. So. I'm not just a conversationalist. I mean, you're going to hear me. My wife says, now that I've retired, I love nothing better than talking, <laughs> you know, to a captive audience and Tim, you're it. <laughs> so I will talk. But but the the uh, response to your question is one more of being present to people in ways that I can really um, hear them out. And I've I am a speaker. I am a communicator. I'm a, I am a minister. I am a person that's been on the go for so long. And now it's really time for me to take a breath, find out where the person is. And I, that's my, my passion now is really relating to, to not large parishes and, you know, a lot of anonymous, um, 
sort of ways to go, but to, to try to find out what the person really needs, what they're looking for, what they're, what they're seeking and looking for, and then try to respond in ways I can be of help. Yeah, that's good, Robin. A couple things you brought up that I want to, this always happens when I ask that question. It's just like when I actually do meet someone, you, you mentioned the word being present. And what's interesting, we hear that quite a bit. I don't, I wouldn't ask this of everyone, but how old are you? What's your age? Oh, come on. <laughs> Is it okay? No, I'm 73 years wow. old. And, and yeah, you wouldn't know that. You, you look fantastic. And I, I, Thank you, buddy. I just turned 59. <laughs> I was wondering how close we were. There's a little bit of <laughs> yeah. a gap there. A little so genera generational gap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm at the tail end. I'm like the, depending on which measurement you look at, I'm the absolutely last year of the baby boomers. I know you're tight. And so yeah. there's this weird transition that we went yeah. through, but the word present is not a word that was in our vocabulary I don't recall it 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, when, when did you start using that word? Probably uh, in retirement. And, and uh, COVID had something to do with it as well, because there was so much absent. You know, there was sort of that, what do you want to call it, a, like an existential dread that I'm going to get it. <laughs> I can't talk to you. I can't touch you. I can't, you know, be with you, um, you know we can zoom together and that's the the extent of it and i think we really lost um that ability to relate one to another in ways that and it's not just give me a hug tim but <laughs> you know it really is trying to connect in ways that uh, i think we've we've just to use opposites disconnected and and lost a, a great deal of ground in terms of the development of not just community, but human ability to to communicate one with another. Yeah, and I, I I totally agree with you. But I guess what I was curious about is, is that a word? Let's go ahead and jump into the generational stuff. Okay. Is that a word that people of our age use in hopes that we could go back to something from our past that maybe the generation today, they're using it in a different way, or we're just trying to reminisce or be nostalgic about the days when you and I could sit and have a cup of coffee for two or three hours and just chat instead of text or jump on our phones or something like that. Is it, is it, is, is there, is there something with that word that is more important to us than to the current generation? And, or they maybe maybe they don't know sure. it. I don't know. No. And I think part of this, and I'm not worth, I don't want to generalize because I can think about my kids, my grandkids, you know, I mean, I'm that stage and age in life that it really does. There's a diversity of individuality that, I mean, I, how do I want to say this? The, the, the discussions that you can have, if I said, you know, if excuse me, what do I do? And I said, well, I'm, a, I'm retired now from being a minister and I'm a Christian and I'm this boom, off we go with either labels or stereotypes or, you know, uh, rejection or cancel. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you know, sorry, I asked, you know, and, and, and it, it goes nowhere. So I, this is why I talk about being present is 
that's really an interesting question because there's a lot going on in my life. Tell me about you. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to throw the ball back in their lap as much as just trying to get the conversation started in a way that being present personalizes. Uh, you know, again, I, and I'm not just totally dumping on social media, but you're, <laughs> because that's what we're doing right now. But anonymity is such a problem and issue with so many people these days. You know, they, they want to try to break through that to have some sense of identity. And this is going to get us into this discussion about leadership. Um, you, you know, you want an identity and you think, well, let's go to Washington, D.C. And that's where we're going to find our identity. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Have I said it enough? You had to go there. Come yeah. on, Robin. We're trying I'm to sorry. I'm trying sorry. to keep it clean. <laughs> but, but no, but you you know what I'm getting at is it it's just it's, everyone's there's a sense of powerlessness uh, with this future this younger generation in ways that I think is really I'm not gonna say criminal, but it's but they, they really have a, a sense of of being lost and and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I think, so this is something that I do. And I, and, and as I'm reading through your book, we'll talk about it in just a moment, you know, talking about the next generation as I'm at a, maybe a pivotal age. I don't know. I think we're always at pivotal ages. Sure. I'm spending time this week. We're celebrating the holidays a little bit later. We're recording this in January with my, you know, 30, almost 30 and a, a little over 30 year old children and my grandchildren. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we sit around, we do things, we do fun things, we have dinner, and then people kind of go grab their phones and jump on the phone. And <laughs> I know. We take a picture <laughs> and we post it and stuff like that. And I, 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 this is what I don't want to do. Let me go ahead and say this, and you can maybe coach me a little bit here. I don't want to be looked at old, out-of-touch dude that's just trying to say things aren't the way they used to be. We need to go back to blah, 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 whatever. Right, right. And because there are good things that are going on, but I totally do agree with you. There's some things that are detrimental to the connectivity that we have. So, sure. so what would you say to someone like me who says something like that? I, I want to embrace what's going on, but I also don't want us to lose some of that, you know, right. presence or whatever you're talking about. So, I mean, that's the big tension we face, correct? It is. And um, again, you just, uh, I'm flooded. With <laughs> A lot of stuff. Different responses of stuff. that I want to throw. throw yeah. Um, celebrating holidays and times together. My dear wife. <laughs> We all sit down to dinner. She's got a basket and passes it around and says, put your cell phones in the basket. <laughs> and everybody loves that, don't they? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Food fight. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but that's so typical of her. You know, it's like, put your guns down, you know. And so because we're going to talk mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're going to have some time together. She'll also pull tricks like this of saying, can you all identify one of your favorite Christmas memories? Hmm. Well, you know, and, but by the way, I've got 30 year old plus kids as well. You can imagine some of the stupid stuff that comes out, but really, really funny. But then I thank God I've got daughter-in-laws 
<laughs> who are sweet and loving and say good things, you know. But all this is, again, a way of kind of tapping into where they are, what they remember, mm. um, and sort of what has been important to them in ways that she opens up immediately, that I, I, I would know, wouldn't have the guts to do that. Oh, dad. <laughs> yeah. Know? But but it's that thing at, at, a, at a level that does kick you back um, is just, again, face-to-face -face kind of conversations that I think they're hungering for. And I'm not just trying to flip it back to, you know, the good old days and leave it to beaver kind of stuff as much as really um, uh, allow the, the humanity that God has given us to be expressed. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I'm in agreement with it. I just... One of the things that I always want to do is check myself to make sure that I'm not getting in some bubble or, you know, tunnel or something that is, I, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I want to do this, Robin, before we get too much further, let's back up a little bit because there's some things from your past mm -hmm. that are very different than mine. And I like to dig into that just a little bit. Somewhere along the way, you became an ordained Episcopal <laughs> minister. I didn't. I didn't mean to chuckle, yeah. but I mean I, it's okay. I, I, and I'll take. I'll tell you a little bit about some of my background, and we'll we'll uh, sure. we'll we'll duke it out here a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, no, no, tell tell us just you know briefly about your journey and how you came to be an Episcopal minister. Was that was that from birth? Were you okay. born a minister? No. <laughs> I was not born. Sprinkle. Were y'all born? Do y'all sprinkle? Do y'all sprinkle yeah, or dunk? Sprinkle. This is what I get confused. I say y'all sprinkle. sprinkle. Okay. Just want to make sure. Coming from a Baptist, I want but to make here, sure I understand what y'all do. Hear this, Tim. It's it's sprinkled in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's a Trinitarian sprinkle. <laughs> you get it all. Good. Um, so yes, I was I was raised as an Episcopalian. I, I will say, growing up through those years. It was church and you went to church and you got in the car you didn't ask questions <laughs> and you know you moved quickly so you got out of the way of you know the old man coming after you to <laughs> get you in the car so that was church and um in large part it was ritualistic it was uh, out of a prayer book um there was so much of it that was external but the understanding of worship was uh, not transcendent, but it was, it was obviously beyond me. I didn't get it. <laughs> um, I can take you, this is a long, long time ago in a place far, far away, Tim, you know, when you start asking this question. But um, by the time I did uh, get to college, there was some seeking going on uh, in the midst of the craziness of college, because by the way, that was Vietnam in my days, that was Watergate. Um, it also was assassinations of not just Jack Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King. You know, I mean, they were weird, strange. Well, you get it today too. I mean, in, in large part, I mean, it was just protest and uncertainty of, of what the future was gonna bring. And with that said, I, when I graduated from college, I was in love, Tim. And, and by the way, it's with my wife today. Congratulations. <laughs> so yeah. I, can, I can tell this story. Yeah. <laughs> but 
but it was again it was a reminder that there's more to life and um the importance of that even though we went our separate ways after college for a year a year and a half i went back i she's a southern girl i was north of uh, i was in chicago so i was what she would call a yankee <laughs> which is not a good thing <laughs> but i went back well one thing robin i want to tell you yeah. i mean being a guy that grew up in the south family okay. from mississippi <laughs> i married a georgia girl Oh, boy. This could be one of the wisest things you did because Southern women are phenomenal. So you say, and you've already mentioned her a couple of times. You're saying the right thing. So, so she, she, I mean, you did like me, probably you married like way up the food chain and, uh, yes, yes. and that's, that's a good thing. So congratulations. Thank you. And it's been 50 years of congratulations too. We celebrated that. Yeah. So she's my glue, no question about it. And my social glue too, um, as you can tell, just from our dinner table conversation. But with, with going through this period, I did go back to Chicago. I worked in an Episcopal boys home, which um, again, they were all classified as emotionally disturbed, but you know, that was a generality. You looked at their files. I, I thought I might want to be a social worker or a psychologist to answer your question along about, you know, I was interested in, in that aspect and back to being present to people, you know, really interested in what makes people tick. Um, but I was learning how, what makes me tick. And I, I, here's how I want to, I don't know how to say this, but I, I was in a fight every day, physical. Um, not just a food fight. These kids were thrown. Thank God they didn't have guns back then. Hmm. Uh, I mean, they were swinging. And now they, these were seventh and eighth grade boys. And yet a lot of them were bigger than I was. And they said things about my mother and, you know, all this kind of thing that I won't repeat. But, you know, it was, it was ugly. Um, and um, my job was really as a caretaker of a, of a cottage that where I had about eight to 10 kids. It was to, you know, take care of, get them ready for school. I, I was at like, you know, their parent figure, um, which I wasn't. I was a couple of years older than they were, and they knew it. Um, there was a chaplain there that turned out to be an Episcopal chaplain who I talked to a great deal because I had to figure out what was. Not only was Chicago great. By the way, there was a Democratic convention so, in Chicago where there was, I saw guns and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, police riot. Well, when talking to this chaplain, the gist of it is he said to me, you ask a lot of good questions. Mm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and what's the answer? <laughs> you know, but that was so typical. You know, you ask a lot of good questions. Then he said, have you ever thought of going to seminary? Hmm. And I said, what? No. <laughs> what? Tell me more. <laughs> well, the more he told me, the more I thought about it, the more, yeah, I, by the way, I called my wife up and I said, hey, what do you think about going to seminary? And her answer, I thought we'd go to church. <laughs> Maybe I thought, you know, we could get a little religion and you would go to seminary, you know, but this was that far out, you know, for her and really for me. But by the way, and all the, all the seminary leaders, bishops and deans of uh, chaplain, even there told me, wait, wait, wait. You don't tell a young person to wait. Mm. They did. And I didn't want to wait. So we got married in July. I went to, we went to seminary in August <laughs> and off. And by the way, our whole marriage then was based around church and about around, I mean, it was, it worked. Yeah. And I want to say this to this younger generation too. It wasn't a bad thing. 
Well, there's it's good. There's worse places, I guess, that you could have hung out. <laughs> I and mean, there were especially me, <laughs> especially if I'm getting the years right, you know, 68, 69, yeah. 70. Yeah. Though yeah. there was a lot going on there, so it's almost as if maybe the Lord had you in that protective bubble. Take care of this guy. Yeah. And by the way, it was in Alexandria, just outside of D.C. Oh, my. I mean, there, there was a lot. You know, you got the Washington Post on your doorstep every day. Yeah. Um, without going into great detail. But it was it was. A, that's a that's back great. when they delivered the Internet just for the younger generation to understand. They, <laughs> a newspaper. It yeah. came every morning. And if someone didn't yeah. deliver it or if it rained, you didn't get the Internet that day. Yeah. Yeah. And you made your own coffee. You didn't go to Starbucks. You know, I mean, it was. I didn't even know what that day. was. Yeah. We just dated ourselves really bad. So, okay. so you moved into to ministry and um, I've heard some of your stories. So I know a little bit here, but what I'd love to tap into here, Robin, are one high during that season and then maybe a low. Ooh. that you learn yeah. something or gain something from, because I want to make sure we get to James and some of the books and all here, but give me a high and give me a low over that next 30, 40 years that might be helpful for oh, us. 30 or 40 years. I thought you were going to say during seminary or something. No, 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 oh, no. Oh my goodness. I mean, is that, oh, is that, Tim. is that too tough? Because I've got a, no, I've got a follow-up about 89. <laughs> yeah. I got about 89 highs and about, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, 92 lows, you know, so, so you're, so you're close. So you're close. Very, very few people are that close. Some people it's a net gain one way or the other. When I talk to them, (laughs) no, there were, there were just, uh, the, the highs had to be the parish ministry. Um, I was served at the same parish for over 35 years. I think it was 36, 37 years. And, um, I'd have to go back and account, which is unheard of. Uh, in the Episcopal Church, and certainly, I think, in these days, um, and in large part, because I'd say every five years, there was something going on, either within me or within the parish, that called me uh, back to leadership. Someone had to, you know, stay there to figure all the out was going on, either within me or within the parish. And, you know, I can almost go from 1980 to 1985, 1985 to 1990, 1990, you know, I mean, it's that almost that sharp of, of demarcation in terms of the years. Um, but there was, there were events that, that caught my attention and said, well, you know, you've got a job to do hmm. either. One of my sayings that um, in the, in the preaching business, Tim was before you can do the work of God, God needs to do some work in you hmm. <laughs> that preaches. And uh, that, that really was the story of my life. Uh, you know, I, I always, you want me to be, a, to go, go, go and be a doer or James does, you know, be a doer of the word. Well, f- first guess who's got to do a little work in me. Right. And certainly that began in seminary. Well, the, and then continues the, on. the reason that I dig it, uh, on those type questions, Robin, is p- part of our tagline is redefining success and I think it plays a little bit into this next generation conversation because I think what yeah. we've gotten to is that word success has been, gosh, I just, 
I just thought of a word that I, I could say it. I don't think it'll, it's been bastardized. It's been taken and taken to a place that I don't think many people, including some in our age bracket, even sure. know what success means or it's, we look at other people, the celebrity culture, things like that. And I, also, yes. I think it's in, I think it's filtered into our church world also. And that's the reason why I was asking that question to a little bit of depth. So, so let's talk. And I think, you know, we've got leaders listening in and a lot of people don't understand the leadership role of the shepherd, the administrator right. the, that, right. that, that you were in. So give us a couple of, I don't know, tips or thoughts or whatever on that leadership role that you were in for so long. Here again, part of what I would do is find out what kind of tips you're looking for. You know, if if if, what, if you and I were talking one on one, but what translates we are. what translates to today? What's something that you gleaned over the years that you would say this is something? And it's probably some things from your book. I think you've taken some things in the books you've written, especially because you've you've written with about Peter, you've written around about sure. Paul, and now James, which like you're going for the <laughs> no, big three. No, then came Mary, and then came Mary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Peter, Paul, and Mary. I get, you remember those? Yeah, guys yeah. That? We know we know the group. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to put a footnote so everybody else knows this is not a folk group from the '60s. No, no this is. <laughs> we're having a good time. <laughs> no, just just a, right. just a lesson or two that you would like to say, man. I'd love to convey this. This is something that I sh- I wish I hadn't done. I did it okay. and it worked out well. Just something, I mean, I know you've got a lot that you could share. Gaining trust, gaining trust. There is so much distrust mm. uh, that's out there and uh, in there within the church. Yeah, I was going to say in the Some church. Wait, so, wait, yeah. and, wait, hold on. Let me, this is, this is, wait, so, okay. sarcasm warning. Wait, you're talking about the church. We're talking about nothing but Christians. We're talking about nice people yeah, that right. love the Lord and the Lord yeah. loves them. They yeah. read their Bible. Yeah. You have to yeah. gain trust in a church setting? Yes. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> sarcasm, sarcasm quotes done. Yeah. Um, no, so, so, and, so what are some, so what are some things specific to the church that cause issues there? I mean, there's a lot of souls that come in there that are sure damaged. Well, th- things that I say may not, by the way, uh, here again, and I wasn't old fashioned and I wasn't out of date, but what I could see shifting and changing was something like truth. It's my truth, Tim. <laughs> truth to power, baby. You know, I mean, all that changed right and shifted before me. Um, so the, the, the emphasis on being an individual, okay, I get that identity. I get that integrity. Sure. We talk that, but, but then when it led to something like autonomy, like, you know, um, I'm an Island unto myself, I don't need you. Now we've broken the sense of community. If you're, I don't know if I'm making sense to you or not, but but within the church context, uh, I, I, those are issues that are not subtle, but they're more philosophical or profound that are taking place every day hmm. in every way. Um, we're getting divorced. Uh, we're having an affair. We're he drinks too much. Uh, 
she spends too much money. <laughs> she makes more money than I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing, isn't it? You know, uh, <laughs> I, I like the thought of it, but <laughs> yeah, but, but no, I, you see the, the, the things that are spinning around in the lives of people have changed considerably their kids, um, the issues that they're facing, the youth groups, uh, the way that changed uh, in front of my eyes, you know, let's have pizza. No, we don't want pizza because it's not vegetarian pizza. Well, you know, you just, there's, I'm gluten-free. What are you, you know, the, the issues that have changed uh, really call for a different kind of leadership in terms of, again, I'm going to say you have to earn trust. Mm. It's not given to you. Well, one thing that's, does that make sense? It does. And uh, this is my follow-up to that. And, it's it's a theory that I don't have data on. It's just totally anecdotal. But it's during the course of your um, leadership in that setting, what would you say the levels of selfishness versus selflessness? I mean, what was the because. And again, I don't want us to be like, you know, sure. old dudes just saying everybody's selfish now. But to me, it seems as if the devices and the information we have available now, instead of for the greater good, which I'm not sure that that's ever been the exact case, it seems like more people are just focused on, you know, their situation, their their self and all that. Is that is that a theory that you yes. observed? OK, tell me more yes. about that. And by the way, it translates to their God. They're Jesus. Oh, okay. Tell me more about that. You got it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's again, me, myself, and I kind of, that's the new trinity <laughs> uh, uh, in terms of, again, what God has done for me and what Jesus, how he's played a, you know, which is fine uh, from the standpoint of having a personal religion, but that doesn't make it private. Mm. Let's talk, let's share, let's see where we find, come and come, you know, and, and that's the, that, again, is a distinctive shift that I saw right before my eyes kind of taking place. But, you know, again, uh, trying to, that's where the preaching and the teaching and you're not my conversation would come in and people would say, well, yeah, that, that makes, that's a good point. You know, or, let me think about that. Or, you know, I'll get back to you a month from now. Right. <laughs> and either they're out the door or they come back because they want more of that kind of conversation that is at the level that you and I are talking about. You know, they'll come in, they'll say, look, I, I, I'm not really into organized religion. And I'll say, hey, that's cool. <laughs> so are you into disorganized religion? <laughs> I'm into chaos. Because <laughs> it's out oh, there, baby. <laughs> chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then go get it. Because <laughs> it ain't going to be here. <laughs> you know. But, but that sort of thing, you, you, or I'm spiritual, but not religious, yeah. you know, and I'd say, oh, that's neat. Uh, but can I be both? Because I'm, I'm also, I'm religious and I'm spiritual. Did you know that? How can you be both? Well, let's talk. <laughs> you know, so you kind of catch hold of where this, this generation, these newer generations are coming to us. Um, there's so much emphasis on... Um, in, in, in here again, not just my truth, but the pluralism um, with God. And, you know, so then I come in, old granddaddy, with absolute truth and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they're going, what? <laughs> How can you say that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> but then 
but, but in all seriousness, that's that's where we start to get a different kind of conversation going on a different level uh, from the standpoint of of philosophically talking about truth mm. and and back again to the importance of that that has to the to my religion and your religion, your faith and my faith that we have in this community of faith that holds to the truth, mm. you know, so it, it, it I, I don't know, I'm just talking right now, but but you've pushed some buttons of, yeah, of that's the kinds of issues. Oh, by the way, it brings up conflict. How do you handle that? You know, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I'll tell you how I handle it. A lot of it is by listening to what's going. And by the way, Tim, I was I would not consider myself a good listener uh, when I started out in the ministry. I, as you can tell, I love to talk and <laughs> and go go go. To, to take a deep breath and really try to understand what what's being said that's an art that's a gift you know that's a gift of the spirit right that um you know i think uh, pastors leaders uh people need to know and then to be able to ask questions without already having the answer <laughs> right you know? because that that too is a kind of a trick me well sort of set up. I, I got so much from what you just said and, I'm, and i made a couple of notes that i want to circle back to but there was something early on just a a minute or two ago you brought up that that the word consumer christian okay. came to mind yeah. and and i'm wondering if we really have become in many ways, and again, we have to be careful generalizing. I, I unfortunately, we could lump people. There's still individuals sure. out there that yes. are on different ends of the spectrum and things like that. But, but consumers are there to consume, and servants are there to serve and give. Yes. And and I really do wonder if we've moved into a situation where much of we'll call it religion or the, the, the church that most people look at. And I think this relates to the generational discussion we're about to have. It's consumer driven. People want to mm -hmm. come in. They're comfortable. They need the great nurseries and they need, and our, our children are yes. in this age. You know, I don't, I don't see them going to a church that says, you know what, we're not going to have good nurseries or anything. We just want people to come and worship the Lord. And we're just going to sacrifice and spend time with the Lord. No, we need a place to put our kids yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so that we could spend time. So talk, I mean, I don't know if that triggers anything with you, just the no, consumer and stop it. so, so <laughs> tell me, because I'm guessing that over the course of your career, Yes. See, I think this is a leadership conversation, too, because the person that's heading a company right now that's mm -hmm. 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, they're dealing with the same thing. Okay. People come into their workforce and they expect they're looking for what they get, not necessarily what they could contribute to the bigger cause. And I'm not saying yeah. that we're all yeah. we're all yeah. totally altruistic and we don't care yeah. about money or anything. But talk about consumer Christianity and how it impacts the conversation we're having here. Oh, that's so loaded good <laughs> no thanks uh i mean it really is a loaded question and yes my life is flashing before my eyes because you, you push the buttons i can, without talking about my church that i have now retired from i mean i'll probably get a lot of rotten tomatoes and all those kinds of things after this interview but blame me but, blame that guy lot, yeah. blame that guy tim that was talking to you <laughs> okay you were asking about conflict go through a building program sometime and expand your church and all of that that was a lot of fun um, and, and yet <laughs> in the surveys, the, not the number one 
need, but issue that came across was clean bathrooms. We need clean bathrooms. Tim, <laughs> that's why I went to seminary. So who's going to do and that? Back, yeah, <laughs> and back to the nursery, you know, we need clean, good nurseries, good caretaker, you know, workers. And I mean, you know, it, it really, it really took the wind out of me in terms of of figuring out what what do we need and and then too you getting into the kind we have pews wooden pews tim and that's what you know we stayed with but you know it was again that the conflict and the issue do you want stained glass no we want to clear windows do you want uh the acoustics carpeting no we want towel wooden floor you know i mean it, everything and you had to figure out what was best for then we got into worship, which became the re the real question of your question. You know, do we worship out? By the way, I, well, I won't name names, but what the name of the church was, well, I will say it, it was St. Francis in the fields. So we wanted to keep the fields part of the church environment and not just asphalt the whole thing with parking lots. Well. I think I've told you enough, but but yes, materialism, I think, taps into what you're going with as far as consumerism. And then you're starting to uh, stir the pot in terms of values and integrity and character. And those are loaded, loaded questions um, that, again, trying not to be judgmental. But at the same time, go. Let, can we talk about James at some point? I've got, I've got one question before we get to James because. Oh come on! But anyways, what I was going to say is to not be friends and uh, with the world. Yes. Um, you know, but but friends with God. I mean, you know, in terms of enmity with is enmity with God. I mean, that, that's so. Here's that's James. Here's my other. Here's my other. Stir the pot before I get to my James here that I've got oh. some highlights and all. Okay. I. And and this also relates to the next generation, Robin, because I think this is a, another layer to the challenge before we get to the solution or the, or the solution that you're presented here with James. I, I grew up in and around the Southern Baptist Church down in the deep mm -hmm. south. Mm -hmm. And then Pleasure. and then later in life, I would I was independent, um, which uh, means I was out there all by myself. You could take that for whatever you want to take that. And then, and then later when I decided to reconnect, I kind of got around what would be commonly called non-denominational folks in the world we're in today. Right. And, and, and so one of the things that I think people from the out, well, listen, let's go ahead and acknowledge that one challenge is when a family is fighting amongst themselves, people don't necessarily want to walk in and be part of that family if they see a bunch right. of fighting going on. Right, right, right. We we could go down that road. I don't think we will, but we could discuss. We believe. I I even kind of needled you when I started by saying, "Do y'all sprinkle or dunk?" Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry stuck about it that. Right in there. Yep, I it's I okay. just wanted to, you know, just just kind of establish the ground rules as we got started. Um, but Robin, what what do we need to do to be more attractive? And and I and I love that we've already talked about truth, because some people would argue we water down that truth. Right, 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 right. That's not what I believe, and I don't think that's what you believe. But I'm going to tie it in with the book of James here, because in the beginning of this letter, 
James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad. Yeah. And this is just a few years after the cross, the resurrection, yes. and they're already dealing with exactly what we're talking about right here. Correct? Yes. 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 All right, go. I've kind of given you a little bit to go with now. You just take that and run with whatever you want to from that. I don't even know if it was a question. Well, no, it was. What do we do? And how do we, how are we more attractive? Yes. We're not very attractive. Those we're the, not very attractive to some of those younger people. I'm not at times, at times, I don't want to be a part of what's going on. Right. Right. And I think that, that too, um, is an issue that is not just cross-generational, but it is also across the different um, organizations Listen to people in the orchestra talk about just old people come to the orchestra now. Who comes to the ballet, Tim? When's the last time you've been to the ballet and taken your kids? Well, my, you, my daughter, the opera? my daughter was a ballerina, so I've saw I, okay. I've, I get triggered every time I hear the Nutcracker okay. music, so I can't really oh. listen to. That. Okay, but you see what I'm getting at in terms yeah, yeah, of yeah. box office hits, sure. opera. I mean, it's you know this is this is. A tough going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, so you are here because we froze for a second. That's why I, I, I'm asking where you, if you, okay. Uh, so the church in one sense is no different in terms of the cultural shifts that are taking place that are not necessarily titanic, but some would, people would say are, are, you know, are that. <laughs> I mean, in terms of huge movements and certainly with respect to God and in the church, there's a lot of suspicion. There's, you you go through, um, well, you know Barna, research. Yeah. You're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, they're well, they're like Pew, they're like Gallup in many respects. Only in terms of the evangelical church, do you read your Bible? You and I may read our Bible. I do, <laughs> and it's part of my devotional, but why and what 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 about you well no well, i have it on my phone <laughs> you know it's in my app uh, and that's about the extent of but it's not read or used and so that impacts and affects the theology if, if you don't read your bible uh where is your theology coming from the headlines or the news or the you know what um i was going to say madonna but that really dates me doesn't it <laughs> just 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 a little bit but she's still around okay. but uh... <laughs> right. but but you see where the again the celebrities yeah. shape so much of okay so now now you're taking me off into back to being attractive if the bible's not going to attract them uh and and again if that is their understanding of god is caught up in you know, um, Madison Avenue or, or what would be considered materialism, then they shop till they drop <laughs> and that kind of thing. So it's, it's a different kind of passion that's at work in their life than what's going on with, with us. Right. So that's the, the generation gap starts to break apart because of the different discipline. I mean, you knocked me about reading a newspaper, <laughs> you know, do my kids have any of them have papers? No, dad. I get mine. Well, where do you get your news? You know, so this this is the kind of thing that impacts their theology. Mm. Um, the, the whole issue that we've already been talking about in terms of individualism, I think, again, 
gets to the place of what's in it for me as far as the church goes. And that's the question they're asking. And really, there again are the statistics, and I don't know if this was Barna or just church consultants that say, you've got about one minute from when they get out of the car to they come to the door to have that impression of this is my church or I, I like this church or get let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a boom, you know. Uh, you and I at least gave it, you know, <laughs> one sermon maybe or a, a, a one month, not now, one minute. So it's a different kind of time clock that they're on. And some of them uh, that we're, we're getting from Barna and other places yes. is that we don't even get them to come through the doors. They're right. doing all of their research and information on their phone or online. Uh, yeah. They're yeah. reading the reviews and all that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm outside of Zion National Park. To me, one of the most majestic, beautiful places in the world. Oh, I and if you it. go to and if you go to reviews on Google, Zion is a four point seven or something like that. So there are people that have given Zion a one or two star because there's no Wi Fi in the national park. <laughs> or something like that. And and yeah. I guess the, the point I'm making is, is that that is sometimes the attitude we're seeing of people coming into a church setting. Yes. And so I, I want to sh shift a little bit and start getting towards solution because you wrote a book, a letter, yes. a letter to the church in the next generation, and it was your third or fourth book, I believe, because you've written others. I've got another one going too, Tim. Nice. Talk about, we, no. we could talk about that. Well, this one, the reason <laughs> no, the true. reason I love this, and I I'm about my Kindle says I'm 50, 60 percent through the book, but what but what you forced me to do was go back to James, and okay. you know, okay. be doers, not hearers only. You know, faith without works is dead. I'm going through my highlights. Beware of personal favoritism. You know. Oh boy. You know, pride promotes strife, and I'm like, I agree with you that this is. The Proverbs of the gospel yes. right here. But why, what was, I mean, listen, we've been talking about it now for 45 minutes. What was the catalyst for this book? It actually goes back, if you'll read my introduction, Tim. I read it. I just want you to <laughs> say you? it. <laughs> oh, okay. Most people don't read the introductions. I found that out, statistically speaking. I go, they start with chapter one. So here's something interesting. This is fascinating. Yeah. If you get, if you have a Kindle, which I have, the little Kindle here, <laughs> yeah. when it starts a book, it starts it in chapter one. You there actually you have to physically go back to read any, um, you know, testimonials or the or the um, or the uh, I, table of okay. contents. So this is cool. Almost I'm all of them, I go backwards. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a writer too, and I'm going. So all this stuff I'm writing at the beginning, they're skipping yeah. it. Yeah. So long story short, yeah. when I first started in the seminary, I was my placement was at the cathedral in Memphis, Tennessee, mm. St. Mary's Cathedral, um, big old typical cathedral you know big building uh, loud organ um, huge seating nobody was there martin luther king's assassination just divided the congregation and so our job was reconciliation reconciliation that's all we preached and talked about and i mean it was it was they were tough times while there i'm kneeling at the altar this old marble altar and i look up and the words hallelujah hosanna were written on it i asked after getting my nerve up, 
probably after several months. I'm not impulsive like this next generation. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I had to wait to find the right time and the right person to ask the question. What, what was that? And it was the uh, the final words of the sister who brought the um, uh, whole uh, all the sisters of St. Mary to Memphis to really care for the people during yellow fever. We're talking COVID, they're talking yellow fever. By the way, it was 1870 um, that all this took place. Do you remember 1860, Southern Boy? Yeah, it was uh, after that little skirmish <laughs> that occurred. And yeah. that was right I mean, before you, that was right before a pretty cataclysmic uh, economic downturn that occurred in 1871. Yeah. There you go. Can you imagine Memphis selling cotton, slavery, all the issues that were there at work and then throw into it the yellow fever and hear these people, this church was alive and working and serving the neighborhood. That's that. So that's the my point was that's what they were there to do was to take care of the widows and the orphans and the dying. And that was their ministry and that was their mission. And boom, there came the cathedral. And and so I left that when I left that church, I left that honestly with it inscribed on my heart. Uh, her words and, and the, the understanding and the passion that goes into service. Um, it, it then, I, I think, to get back to you and, and, and your whole uh, question in terms of, you know, the lights going on and all, um, with that came an understanding of, of community and, and faith and worship. Because here again, I, I was, I, I could have been a rugged individual and just gone off on my own and waved the banner and <laughs> thrown the Molotov cocktails or done whatever you have to do, you know. Um, but what I got in worship, by the way, worship is derived from the same word as worth. Um, and so I found worth in worship and then within the community you, you find, again, not just like-minded people, but you find this faith-based community that strengthens us, you know, that I really need it uh, because I, I, you know, was one of those kind that could go off in any different direction. But it, it, again, I wasn't institutionalized. Mm. <laughs> you know, you think of denominations, you think of organized religion you think of institutions as just that and people want something else you know they want their freedom they want their individuality they you know you can get all that within the context of a community and within the context of our faith um, and certainly james gives us not just that permission but you think of of james by the way his letter that you now are reading <laughs> on your kindle um Scholars will say it really goes back to being dated more around the early 40s. Hmm. Uh, they, you know, they had as late as the 90s and then pushed it back almost beyond John, his gospel. And now scholars are saying, no, no, no. It's, and there's all kinds of reasons behind that and a discussion behind it. But that's, that's right after the uh, resurrection and the church was just then forming. And it's an exciting time, uh, not necessarily to be a Christian, <laughs> but it was an exciting time the way the spirit was at work. 
Yeah. It, th- so to answer your question, yes, <laughs> in terms of being attractive, here again, it go ahead, give me the persecution. If if you want to cancel me, if you think I'm bad, if I'm institutionalized, you know all the stuff that they throw at the church these days, and some of it diverse deservedly so. Um, that uh, our passion is not based on the externals. Our passion is based on the risen Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit and God, the creator of life. Remember I told you about the Trinity when you asked if I was baptized? (laughs) I remember the Trinity, yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, because again, it can all be about Jesus, which is great. And sure, I'm into discipleship, no question about it. And that's attractive, can be attractive to some. I would like to think to myself included. Um, And I preach it and I teach it and I live it. So, you know, yes, yes, yes. But Jesus was empowered by the spirit and he was God's son. So, you know, I I really do want to keep that whole picture in in front of of people um, in ways that I think some simply um, go elsewhere. How about that? So it's one thing I, I actually truly believe that the message of the gospel is attractive. Powerful. Powerful, attractive. Yeah. My concern, and I'm going to pose this as a comment and you res- let you respond to it. My concern is some of the things we're doing as air quotes here, Christians, and, and, I, and I'll go back to the organized religion. I could actually be a little bit harsh on organized religion also. So that we brought I. up early. So can I. I believe yeah. we're repelling people away from that attractive message. So how do we get to that root? And listen, my wife and I, we go to a lot of churches. We travel and my sure. wife gets so aggravated if we go in a church. It takes us 45 minutes to get in the parking lot. You know, a few we we can go we could go get our coffee. They've got the <laughs> they've got the fog machines going. They do have a drum and electric <laughs> instruments, which I think is important for the Holy Spirit to come, because okay. you need drums there. Slightly, we're a different generation. Slightly <laughs> facetious. Um, but then you know we go through. There's a couple songs and some announcements. There's a 20 minute message, which there's nothing wrong with a 20 minute message. And then we're done for another 45 minutes to get out of the parking lot. So we're sure. so. I, I do wonder in your letter, your message to the church, which I totally agree, it's, it's, it's in this book of James. How do we get people to spend the time, more time in the book of James so that they could become immersed in the message that's here? Because I think we're looking for too much quick hits in and out. I mean, sure. we're even scanning your book. People are looking for scans of your book. <laughs> Well, and you see throughout the book, the, the uh, underlying theme is mentoring. Yes. Mentoring, mentoring. Yes. And, and deeper I questions. I love the deeper questions at the end of each yes. chapter and Thank very you. thought provoking that if some takes the time to do it, there's going to be some dialogue there, which I love. Which I found that has happened with that book, which has been fun to see. I mean, being the author, you know, you never know what where it goes or who reads it or what what the if it has any kind of message or impact for others. And it's nice to know after all the labor that goes into it. But and and, and here again, Tim, it's not about the royalties. You know, a lot of people get in the writing. Uh, 
I, I was talking to one guy from California, in fact, about this, and, and, he, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I love the book. I love and he said, you know, I'm just so glad you didn't write something for a, for a script for a movie, because <laughs> that's what all the people do in California. So they're, they're writing for television or Netflix or, you know. No, this wasn't for a movie. <laughs> just, it's a devotional, you know, you can read it, and, you know, I hopefully get a little yeah, while, inspiration. While I enjoy it thoroughly, the plot points are a little weak, I'll tell you that. No. Thanks. <laughs> it's great book, not a great yeah. story. It wasn't a mystery. Maybe yeah. maybe a miniseries, though, maybe a streaming yeah. miniseries, you know, chapter. Anyway, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, drive a fork into me, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But, but there again the emphasis on mentoring really is important and i think that is a generational bridge that can be built now and james does it then and encourages the church to do it now so that's that's where i picked up from james and you asked you know what got me inspired about it what got me started well sure i go back to that time i was kneeling at the altar you know low these many years ago um, and that burning passion that then that lit within me, the fire to go out and be a doer of the word, um, that, that, okay, got me juiced up, but then anyone listening, <laughs> by the way, you know, if you want to be a leader, you have to have people following. <laughs> and so those kinds of things began to work at me and it took about 40 or 50 years to get to this point, but, but here I am yours truly saying, you know, we need to really work with this next generation. By the way, I'm also on a, a in very active and involved in a, a, a faith-based counseling center. And what we see uh, is not good in terms of the depression and the violence and the anger and the drug abuse. And in and, and, and Louisville is, a, is one of the D, drug enforcement agencies uh, there's only six of them in the country. Louisville is, is a hot spot because it, you know about fentanyl and all the junk that's going through. Well, it comes through dear old Louisville, uh, goes up to Indianapolis, goes up, down to Atlanta, goes over to St. Louis, up to West Virginia. You know, it's not, not a pretty thing that's taking place right now. And, uh, you know, I want to jump up and down and scream and strangle people and all that, but that's not the answer. Um, that's not attractive, Tim. <laughs> yeah, you know, we need to come in in a way that really does appeal to people that uh, connects with their needs, doesn't necessarily give them a high, you know, but it will, um, because we're seeking things <laughs> above, you know. Um, okay, I like uh, the reason I like that. I, I the word present popped back in my mind as you were just talking. Okay. You're mentoring. talking about yeah. mentoring. Yes. And then somewhere in the middle of our conversation, we talked about consumer Christianity, which what, we, what we've done and many times as leaders yes. in the church is yes. we've addressed that. We said, you know what? Yeah. It's one thing to be to have 50 consumers. Why don't we have 500 consumers or 5,000? Yeah. yeah. And so let me try to tie this together and then I'll let you respond. It's it to me. And I'm a coach, which forces me to spend time with people communicating. And I've sure. joked about this, but I'm kind of serious about it. I think that coaches in many ways are disciples of our day because we're forced to spend time with people almost in that mentor role, a little bit different, but um, yeah. you can't coach 
thousands of people at once. Mm -hmm. You can't mentor, I don't believe, so right. from a stage. Yeah. You yeah. can't be present with more than, I don't know, I could talk to a number of people, two, three, four. I almost wonder if we're attempting to, <laughs> to go, go too big instead mm -hmm. of just mm -hmm. maybe being a little more focused, patient, and that word you started you off go. with, present. Is, that, present. is yeah. that the message you're trying to get across? Yeah, absolutely. How? How do we do it? <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted more or not. I, just, I, I think I, you're right. I was going to, I want to know well, how, how do we do that? Well, uh, again, from the, the mentoring standpoint, um, it, and I'm not saying it's not about coaching, but go ahead and try to coach the crucifixion, yeah. <laughs> you know, but now let's talk about dying to yourself. That, 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 that does preach. And we, we can talk then about um, humility Try that in our day and age of nothing but what you're saying, being a, being attracted, but also being attractive, you know, putting your best foot forward. Uh, well, that's not needed, needed necessarily. Let's talk about my church is bigger than your church. <laughs> you know, church growth. You get into all of that kind of thing. Golly, Tim, you're, you're driving me crazy because um, you're getting me so much stuff going inside of me. But Let's talk about you growing as a, as a Christian. And then let's talk about the church growing, not necessarily in numbers or dollars, you know, the ways you normally, what, what do you measure in terms of butts and bucks? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we, we don't have to measure that way. There, there's, there's God's measurement, which takes us in a, a different design. Um, for our future. So let's talk about what hope looks like. You know, so that's, so, you know, it's not necessarily winning. Uh, yes, there's victory in the cross. And of course, there's victory in the resurrection and the empty tomb. And of course, I could go that way if I wanted a rah, rah, rah kind of thing. But my goodness, what you need to go through to get there. <laughs> Are you ready? Do you really want to go this way? Well, then Jesus says, follow me. Really? <laughs> Yes. Uh, and then you, I'm going to say, no, I'm a sinner or no, I don't want to go that way. And, you know, and so then you go a different direction. Okay. Um, but you made the choice um, because here's what we're presenting. Hmm. And this is how we're present to you in that presentation. <laughs> yeah. How about that? That's good. And it's hard to follow someone that you don't know much about them. You mentioned follow him. Uh, final question, then I've got a few that I'm going to wrap up. I'm looking at my time and I, there's so many other things I could ask, but we'll, well, you started it. Well, yeah, it's all my fault. Uh, <laughs> By sprinkling me. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, as you look out over the horizon and you've got kids, grandkids, just like yeah, I yeah. do and things like that. What, uh, what gives you hope? What, what, what do you look at and go, I like what I see blank here, something okay. like that. What gives me hope um, is, and, and maybe again, this is the, the word maker in me, but I, I understand hope is really expecting something good to happen. Um, and that's about as far as sometimes I go with hope because um, I've, I've been in despair. I've hit the ground, I've crashed and burned. Um, and 
yet those weren't hopeless times because what I learned from those times, and I, by the way, I could show you my scars <laughs> and you know go through all of that too. But what I, I have learned in all seriousness is that uh, here again, God is derived from the word good. And so I'm expecting God to enter into my life. Let's talk about the incarnation and Christmas. You know, as long as you're talking about celebrating Christmas now, I mean, that's that to me is such a beautiful story uh, that God is in our world. And so there is my hope. Yeah. You want me to keep talking? No, or is that an, no, uh, I, I actually think that was, and a, by the way, God is good. <laughs> that was a good exclamation point. Yeah. That's a whole, okay. that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Cause some people say, Oh no, God is with us. Oh no, no, that, that is good. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. God with yeah. us, Emmanuel. That's a great way to uh, finish up something here. Uh, you mentioned a, a project, your next book. What, what's next for you, real quick? What's your next project? What's what are you excited about coming up? It's 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 interesting. It's it's entitled "Expressions of the Soul," huh? And what I'm really working with is Celtic spirituality. Oh my! And yeah, and life with God on Earth as it is in Heaven. That's my working title because I just got back from Ireland and took a group to Ireland and was blown away. And and Celtic spirituality sounds kind of goofy and kind of freaky and and yet it is very hip. Oh, <laughs> you know me, you know me, Tim. I'm hip. You got yeah. you got. There's hip written all over this conversation. <laughs> and, and me too. Right? <laughs> but but in, here again, in, in all seriousness, um, yes, they love the earth. And yes, there's a lot of people that hug trees and all that kind of stuff. And there is a lot of concern about the climate and the world and the environment and so on and so forth. You don't think they're not concerned with that. And yet at the same time, what they pull through that with in terms of their understanding is again, it's not that the tree is God, but God has planted that tree, <laughs> you know? And, and so let's now talk about God who is here on earth and right before us and right with us. And so there's, there is kind of a, a, a closeness to God that I really now respect and got hold of. Thin places, you know, they talk about thin places. I don't know if you've heard that expression, mm. but where, where heaven and earth are just ah. you almost, you know, embraced. Yeah. Um, well, I could go on and on about- Exciting, well, keep us updated. Characteristics, yeah. yeah. Characteristics that are in this Celtic spirituality that apply right now to today. Yeah, that's interesting, fascinating. Keep us updated on that and let us know do. as that comes out. Where can people find you or where do you want people to go if they're looking for the book or anything you do? Tell us where you wanted to go. We'll include it Thank in the you. notes, but where can people okay, go? Okay, a landing page. I've got a landing page. Awesome. And just just for you, Tim. Awesome. And your and your listeners. Nice. <laughs> if they go to www.robin, R-O-B-I-N-T, as in Tom, Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S.com, then slash guided reflection nice and and in that guided reflection i've got a, a four-week uh, journal um that that they can download or look at and there again are the questions but it's from writings that i've done over the years that was put together in a book form but um you know for the parish is one of my farewell things that that i think might be of interest very good. Yes. And I've enjoyed the book. I enjoyed that it. it drove me back to James. So that's good. Good, good. good. Robin, final question here. We are seek, go, create. You could probably tell that uh, that Sermon on the Mount was a 
big deal for me. Um, what, uh, which word right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to pick one word over those other seek, two. Seek. Go seek. ahead. And why? Why? Go ahead. I said seek because <laughs> that was the first word. <laughs> There's a reason no. they're in that order too, by the way. You know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seek the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Mm. And uh, you remember that book you told me about? I, I told you, I wrote about Paul. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world. Years truly struggled with that for a long time. Uh, because I thought, what do you mean, Paul? I, I, I could, okay, you want me to be a nonconformist? You know, and and the more I got into Paul and reading him, it was <laughs> do not be conformed to this world. There's a much better world. Okay, you tell me what's this better world? He does the kingdom of God. Jesus does the kingdom of God. Wow. By the way, it transformed my mind, <laughs> or transformed me and renewed my mind. I mean that passage, and, and it's I'm telling you in a light sort of way, but but that really was kind of the genesis for the book, from a long, long time ago to living with it and living with it and then acting upon it, um, and recognizing the power in that uh, invitation. Uh, that Jesus has for us. Yeah, I love that, Robin. That Matthew six thirty three is an important scripture for me. I've Absolutely. spent a lot of time there. So thank you so much, Robin. I'm going to encourage people to get your book to go check out the link. We'll have it down in the notes where people can go get that um, that four week that four week guide. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be fun. Check that out. Well, I encourage people to do a couple of things now. Number one, make sure you go to the notes and all, like I mentioned earlier. But number two. I think you know someone, either from a younger generation or from our yeah. generation or someone else that might need to listen to this. Take a screenshot of this podcast or if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube and just share it because I believe that you know someone that needs to hear it and that is the best way that people get exposed to messages like this. You know, one of the things Robin brought up was we're not present and we don't take time to have conversations. Well, we've just spent an hour plus having yeah. conversations about what I believe are some of the deeper things that we need to be discussing today. And I'm hopeful that you share it with other people and allow them to listen in. I appreciate you listening in here. We've got new episodes every Monday here at Seek Go Create. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.